Look, huh, nigga, this is my shit. Welcome to the city of God. Pop was the king of New York. Now I'm the nigga in charge. Only the drillers, the city is ours. Find out the ops when you pick them apart. I give them my time, so I give them my heart. If the city love me, then they're really a star. All right, welcome in everybody to episode 13 of the ASN podcast. We're recording here uh, on a Sunday night after another really good week of, of NFL games. I think uh, I think eight of the of the nine early window games were one possession, were within one possession, heading into the uh, the witching hour, as they call it, on red zone. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of fun breaking down that. We are also entering the final week of the MLB season, which means uh, by the time our next episode comes out, the postseason will already be in full swing. So we're going to talk about some of that. Parlay Pete, what are you up to? Daily Dan. I mean, and I guess I'll say it now because it's it's relevant, but there's two reasons why I'm I'm particularly exhausted today. And the one is because I actually did have to work today, unfortunately. Um, but number two, I mean, the Jets winning just drains me. It's just such such an emo- emotional roller coaster. Every time that they, there's never an easy win with the Jets. No. It doesn't matter. Not this year, last year, forty years ago. It doesn't matter. There's never like a game. Maybe 2018 when they won in the first week when they they beat the Lions like 48 to whatever it was. I was going to say, how far do we have to go back to find a game like that? I think that might be it. I think that might be it. That that and they scored. I think it was what 31 points in like nine minutes or something, which was like the, the quickest. <laughs> and time even that ever. game, even that game started with a pick six by Sam Darnold. You know, it yeah, we should have totally known. Easy. We should have known from them that it was just gonna it was just gonna be a disaster. But every single game is just exhausting. So like. I got home. I was actually watching the game at work. Very dangerous, by the way. I was watching it as I drive, too. So that's just very, very dangerous. But um, especially a company vehicle. I hope no one from my company is listening right now because that is just ex- extremely against the, the rules. But anyway, you know, just it, it was just an emotional roller coaster. I went from saying, you know, screw this team. Like, I'm so done with this coaching staff to 42 minutes later after that being like, oh my God, like what a comeback win. Robert Sala is my guy. Like Zach Wilson is the quarterback. He is that dude. Like I, I, it's just such an emotional roller coaster. I'm so tired, but I'm, I'm so happy right now. And it's so sad that we have to, because I actually tweeted, I don't know if you saw my tweet with the three pictures of Zach Wilson. I sent I sent two of them to you, but the other one was a, a rather oh, yeah. uh, not safe for work image that I that I sent that I that I, I tweeted actually, and um, yeah, it's just I don't well, know. That game, just, it, it was it was draining for watching just watching Zach Wilson. I mean, we're going to talk <laughs> about it. We're going to get into it, but he that, that was a, a complete roller coaster from him. Uh, but I think it was a net positive. Um, but we'll get into that. We we won't. Yeah. We'll save it to make sure. We're gonna we talk about the playoffs, baby. You gotta talk about a little MLB playoffs now. Now, mind you, people that have been clamoring for a more diverse episode 
oh, don't worry. You're definitely going to get it because the MLB playoffs will be around by the next episode. That hockey will be right around the corner. I'm pretty sure basketball will be right around the corner too, right? Yeah. And I mean, these episodes, Dan, are going to be like, we might as well start recording at like one o'clock on Sunday when the episodes are going to be like nine hours long, but I can't wait. I'm really, really excited. So we did say beforehand that we were going to hit a little bit of a lull, a little bit of a, a valley, if you will, and just talk about the the NFL. But now, I mean, everything is so prevalent that it, it's really, really exciting. So for those of you who wanted a more diverse episode, be careful what you wish for, because I'll sit here all night and talk. I don't care. I don't need sleep. I'll sit here it's, all night. It's the best time of year. It's the best time of year for a few reasons. But you get in October, especially, you get this clash uh, of all these different sports. Uh, and I, I think I think there's a, a couple days a year, if not maybe just one day a year, where I think all four yes. major leagues uh, cross over on the same day, which comes toward the end of October around the World Series with the NFL going on, basketball, hockey in full swing. Didn't even mention college football. That's in full swing, too. Our yes. coaches are getting fired left and right. Uh, well, exciting. I mean, Colorado has to be one of the worst. Col- well, Colorado – Colorado might be on track for 0-12, but Wisconsin fired fired Paul Chris today. Yes, I saw that. Been their coach for uh, eight years. It's a a significant move early in the season. It seems like every week now there's a coach being fired. So uh, that's how much is going on right now in the the wide world of sports. But we we do want to talk about the MLB postseason. Uh, It's coming up. I think we got 11 of the 12 postseason spots locked in now. Uh, The only one that isn't is between the Phillies and Brewers. Uh, and it's definitely starting to trend toward the Phillies. I think the Phillies are up two games on the Brewers. Couldn't even tell you who has that tiebreaker. Uh, but it, it's even with the little collapse by the Phillies late in the year, it seems <laughs> like this extra wild card is going to get them in. So, but and we have no wild card matchups set, which is very interesting. This first wild card round ever, we don't know for sure. Uh, if the Mets lose tonight, which would be if the Mets lost last night, by the time you're listening to this. They'll probably face the Padres in the wild card round, uh, and that should be a, a highly entertaining series, I think, especially at City Field. You know, just just the way that these three games have been played, I just want to see. Can you just give me like three playoff series between the Mets and and the Braves? <laughs> like, I just maybe it's because I live in Queens. Yeah. I'm doxing myself, whatever I live in Queens. So like there's a different feel about this team this year. So it's not a, 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 a decrepit sadness, just like emulating throughout the, in, the entire neighborhood. Like it, you know, people are actually happy. Like when you go to the bagel store, you know, people are actually happy in the morning when they talk about sports, not like, Oh, can you believe those fucking Mets lost? And it's like, well, the Mets, how about the jets? And you know, it, it's like now we don't have to hear that, at least for tomorrow. We don't have to hear that. Well, maybe the Mets, but at least the Jets. I'm just going to start spinning everything towards the Jets victory today because I'm happy. What do you want from me? I, 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 I Sports wise, I live a sad life, but I mean, that's a firework waiting to happen. I feel like the the Padres and the Mets is is a very, very intriguing matchup that I didn't really even think about until you mentioned it, because like you said, Nothing is set in stone yet, and it, it, it's really interesting that yeah. nothing is set in stone because there's just so many possibilities. But yeah. uh, I think either way, between the the well, I guess you could say 13 teams that are in it because we're not sure between the, the Brewers and the and the Phillies. It, there, there's not a bad matchup. I mean, maybe the on, the only boring matchup will be whoever matches up against the Guardians. That's <laughs> that might be it. 
Yeah, which looks like it might be the Rays. But the interesting part of that oh, is so is the winning the winners probably well the winner of that series is definitively going to New York to play the Yankees. And the Yankees have a history with both of those teams. They uh, yeah. they came back in the ALDS when the Guardians were known as the Indians in 2017. Um, still a lot of pieces from that team. Jose Ramirez, uh, Terry Francona is still the manager. Uh, then the Rays. I mean, they they lost to the Rays in the ALDS in 2020. They play 19 times a year. Uh, they notoriously have a, a pretty tough time with the Rays, too, no matter who's on that team. So if that is the matchup, uh, it, it's going to have, obviously, implications for the Yankees, and there's going to be some familiarity involved. Um, I hope that the matchup that we have in place right now stays, which is the Blue Jays and the Mariners. Uh, that's a lot of fun. The Blue Jays haven't played a real a real postseason game since 2016. I I wouldn't count them being the eight seed in in 2020 as a, a playoff game, um, and the Mariners haven't played one since 01. So you can get you're going to get the uh, the raucous crowd in Toronto. No matter who they play, the crowd in Toronto is going to be insane. It was in 2015 and 16. Yeah. Um, and then we don't know if the Mariners are going to end up playing a game in Seattle. They would. They would have to advance to play a game in Seattle in the in the ALDS, uh, but you know the 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 buzz around that team is is going to be great because they haven't been at this level in in two decades. Yeah, I was going to mention that not only like you said this is their first playoff berth since uh, two thousand one, but that was the longest playoff current playoff drought in American sports was the Seattle Mariners. So they get off the Schneid and 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 you know. A team like that gets that why not us mentality. And I'll be honest with you, if they move past the, the Blue Jays, it, that's tough. I would not want to play a, a postseason game in Seattle. That that crowd is going to be absolutely insane. I, I know. I was just going to say, did you see when they hit the walk-off home run to cl- <laughs> clinch the playoff berth? But the reason I saw it was because of you. So thank yeah. you for that. But. Uh, I mean, it was just an electric atmosphere. The camera, the a- camera angles were really cool too. It gave us like a more interesting uh, vantage point of of the celebrations and stuff. But yeah, I wouldn't want to go. It, this kind of feels like the same talk that we had when we were talking about the home run derby back in like ASN number two, uh, <laughs> when we were saying you know you you don't want to see Julio Rodriguez in the home run derby because he's a fresh new face. And what did he do? He went on to go to the finals. Now I'm not saying that the Seattle Mariners are going to go to the World Series. But, hey, anything is possible, especially with a hot young team like that. You, you really don't know. And like you said, playing in Seattle, could we, we they don't know what to expect. We don't know what to expect because it, they haven't played in so long in Seattle in the postseason. So I think it would be a scary proposition for an opposing team. Not only that, because of the distances too. You're playing. Yeah, Seattle is all the way on the other side of the United States for, say, you know, teams like New York or even Toronto and and stuff like that. Even Cleveland is is basically on the more eastern side of the United States. God, I really hope I'm getting my geography right here. Uh, you are correct. Okay, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I don't think Seattle would be a, a pleasant place to play for an opposing team in the, pl- in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and when you talk about uh, a team like the Mariners, it makes me think of the Royals in, in t- more so in 2014, when they had no expectations in 2015, mm-hmm. they had expectations and they, uh, they fulfilled them. But in 2014, they were a wild card team that uh, broke a 29 year postseason drought. Um, and they, they ended up being the home team in the wild card game. And they came back from a seven to three deficit, uh, walked off the A's. And then they, they went in and, and I think they lost one game 
uh, in the American League. They swept the Angels, and then they lost one game to the Orioles. And they ended up losing in seven to the Giants. What a, what a dead – like, did you just hear what you just said? They beat the A's. They beat the, the Angels. The Angels. And the, the, Orioles, the Orioles. It was a much different time. City, and this is the Kansas City Royals that we're yes. talking about. What a, like, what a time to be alive then. It was and then and then we saw the most boring celebration for a World Series win in history when the San Francisco I was going to say I'm in football mode I was going to say the San Francisco 49ers the San Francisco Giants just basically like shook hands on the mound they were like mm, yes quite we yeah we, yeah we, they became they were used to it yeah 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 third and fifth third and five years Madison Bumgarner doesn't really celebrate it anything anyway. Uh, but you never know when a team like the Royals is going to come around. It doesn't happen every year. And I, I don't know if it's going to happen this year because the Astros are so good and the Dodgers are so good and the Braves have all that young talent. And uh, the Yankees. And uh, well, <laughs> Here's the thing. If, if one of those teams is going to happen, I could see them beating the Yankees to get there. Oh, wouldn't that be in, in such Dodgers. like uh... – you yeah, I could Listen, see it too. I could see it too. Aaron Judge seems like he's brought the Aaron Judge chase seems like it's brought back some energy to the Yankees. And I was thinking that more so a couple days ago before they dropped two in a row to the Orioles. Uh, but you, you, you don't know they're going to have Dan's five four days team. off between the end of the season and the playoffs. Uh, they get they got time to recharge. And if they come out and win one in front of the home fans in Game One, that energy might be right back. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Uh... I don't want to, because you know why I, I I talk up the Yankees in the postseason every year, and this is an interesting season for me because I was the lowest I've ever been on the Yankees going into this season. I had them in fourth place in the AL East because people might laugh at that, but on paper, don't get me wrong, I'm pleasantly surprised. Like like I I would love to be wrong 100 percent of the time like that when it comes to the Yankees, but you know on paper it didn't look all that impressive at all. And, you know, they, they went on and had one of the hottest starts that we've ever seen. And they carried it mostly throughout the season, you know, besides for that gray area after the all-star break. But I'm not going to say too much. I, if the Yankees that we know this year show up, then good things might happen. But we also have that Yankee team that shows up that strikes out 18 times in one game. And, you know, then you're up Shit's Creek without a paddle. I don't know what to tell you. But, yeah, it's it's – I don't want to speak too much on the Yankees with this because I, I just don't want to get my hopes up. I'm, I'm well, happy right now with the Jets. Well, the good news is, oh. <laughs> by the time we record next week, we should know who they're playing. So we'll be able to. We'll be able. To I'll get. I'll get more that. excited then. Yeah. Well, we'll be able to dive into the matchup a little bit and see what, you yeah. know, who they're going to be facing, what they have to worry about. If it's Cleveland, if it's Tampa, maybe Seattle. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll be able to talk about it more when when we've got some. Some definitive answers, but until then, we got the wild card round uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which should be entertaining. Um, and it, you know, it's interesting because the the wild card round against MLB's wishes is going to cross over with NFL Sunday. It, that oh wouldn't have happened because the season <laughs> end. The season would have ended on a Sunday. It actually would have ended today, but the lockout made them add three extra days, and now the wild card round is going to be. Friday, Saturday, and then the the decisive game threes, if they're played, would be Sunday, um, competing with the NFL. So I completely forgot that a, there was a lockout this year. That's how long. That's how long the MLB season yeah, is. No. Yeah, that was that was a long time ago, but it's it's still fresh in my mind. <laughs> Traumatizing. But I think we're we're just about ready to dive into the this week's NFL action, which was 
uh, a, a lot of fun, but mostly in the early window. There wasn't much going on in the late window, but the early yeah, window. Well, uh, well, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, for the most part, but you know, the the Packers and the yeah the Patriots were a lot closer than we expected, and it was actually I don't know if you had a chance to watch it. I watched it because for some reason that was the only game that was on yeah, TV, and that was not a good idea. But um, yeah, it was it was definitely entertaining, but you know. I, I know what game I want to talk about first, but we all know what game we have to talk about first. And and it has to be talked about first because there's also some controversy, a major controversy that goes on with with the Bengals and the Dolphins. And and I mean, it was so controversial that you got you got national news media picking up on and having, uh, you know, neurological, whatever, scientists, surgeons talking about it on on TV of what the repercussions of this was. And that's uh, not a good look for the NFL. Definitely not a good look for the dolphins, especially after the whole tampering incident as well. This is just, it it's stockpiling to make them look like a really trash organization. But anyway, if we really want to talk about the game, uh, I did believe going into this game that, that Miami was going to hit a wall at some point. Now, obviously I thought Miami was going to hit a wall with Tua as the quarterback, so, of course, that leaves the window of opportunity open saying, well, you know, if Tua played the entire game, maybe we would have pulled it out. Even though I didn't think Teddy Bridgewater necessarily played bad at all. I, I thought he played pretty well, uh, especially coming in cold like that. But the uh, Bengals quickly went from 0-2 to 2-2 two and, two and and definitely right back in the thick of things because now you have what? Now you have the, the Browns are 2-2. Two and two. Yeah, they're tied for the division. The, yeah, the, the Ravens are 2-2. Two and two. The, the Ravens should be 4-0, but they're 2-2. Two and two. And the the Steelers are what? 1-3. and three. Yeah. So they're right there. Really, really, it seems like no harm, no foul. It was like two tune-up games, uh, two-game Super Bowl hangover, and they were right back into it. Even though they – I mean, the, that was the most impressive all-around performance, I would say, that the – the Bengals had so far this year because I don't count the game against the Jets because it's the Jets. Um, so I would say that against a, a super solid Miami uh, defensive unit that I think Burrow played really well. Uh, T Higgins played really, really well. And the offensive line actually came to play, which we haven't seen so far this year. So that was nice to see. Maybe they're finally gelling together as a unit. Yeah, I'd still like to see some more firepower from that offense. I mean, the what what Burrow's doing with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins toward the end of the season last year was unbelievable. I mean, he was playing at an MVP level. Jamar Chase was looking like the, the NFL's next next great receiver, which he he still might be. Um, but I'd love to see them, you know, have these these big plays again uh, that really light up light up defenses. That could be the difference between what we see now and and uh, a team and a team that could go to the Super Bowl or, or at least compete to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, but yeah, I, I was with you. So I had the I had the Bengals winning this regardless. Uh, going in, I, I feel like it's it's less of a of a strategic pick and more of like, well, it feels like the the bang, the Dolphins are due for a loss after three. Yeah. The Bengals are going to go two and two. They're at home. They've got their mojo back. You know, instead of and they were wearing the new white uniforms, which which were fantastic, by the way. Yes, I love. I, I know. I love the white look, and it looks perfect on that field too. You get the orange of the field you know, the end zones and all that and the logo, but you get the white of the helmet and the uniforms. So big credit to them for that. Uh, look good, play good, I guess. Cause they, they, they definitely, I think I'm, I agree with you. They put together their best performance of the season. Yeah. All around performance. Look yeah. Good. Regardless look of who's the yeah. quarterback for the dolphins. I think they could have won that game anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it was going. It, it's funny because if you watch the first, what 
five, six minutes of game time. I thought, oh my god, this game is going to be like forty-one thirty-eight. Like it looked like it looked like neither offense was going to be stopped because you had the first two throws from Miami go for like forty-five yards between Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and it looked like the defense was wide open. And I'm pretty sure didn't Cincinnati walk down and score a touchdown on their first drive? Yeah, they did. Yeah, so it just felt like that first like five minutes of gameplay. I was like, oh boy, here we go. Strap in. We're we're ready to go for this one. And I was, I really wanted it because I had a lot of players playing in fantasy that, that week, but um, that game, but we still got the job done there. And, you know, in, in terms of production, the score might've been a little bit more disappointing than people thought, but you know, this is a, this is a, a sneaky, decent Cincinnati defensive unit. And this is a much improved Miami Dolphins unit too. So, um, you know, you look at the Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Tua Tagovailoa, you look at Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Uh, Hayden Hurst, who's actually been really good for them so far as well, you know, T Higgins and you think, oh, wow, you know, they're going to put up a bunch of points. I, you know, I, this is exactly what I, I expected. Uh, maybe a little bit more scoring for Miami, but the whole two situation, which I do want to get into now. Uh, I wanted to ask what your thoughts were, because I've made my thoughts abundantly clear across many social media platforms of what I think about this. So uh, I, I, you're, you're a little bit more private than I am. Let's say that. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, I think I'm, I think I'm still in kind of a wait and see mode. I mean, so here's the thing: when, when people come out and say, "Well, the the Dolphins wronged Tua, and he definitively had a concussion in the first game, and they put him back out there with a concussion," you know, he's also been defiant that he didn't have a concussion. So, you know, anybody who says that, and I, I don't blame them for saying that at all. I mean, it could be true, uh, but anybody who says that is saying that Tua is is incorrect. Um, you know, of his own assessment of his body. And uh, I also, I, I do believe in, in I, I believe Mike McDaniel when he says that they, they don't believe there was any evidence of a concussion. Um, but the play where he hurt his back or whatever that was, um, did look a lot like the play Thursday night he, where he, he kind of hit the back of his head. It wasn't so much whiplash mm-hmm. as it was uh, the back of his head hitting the turf. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, I think they're correct to, to launch an investigation into that. Now, the, the firing of the, of the independent, um, neurological consultant or whatever that, that evaluated to a, um, that, that feels to me without knowing the detail, but that, without knowing the details, that feels to me like, um, they're scapegoating. Pressure fire. It seems like they're firing somebody to, to make it look like they're doing something. And to be clear, this is the NFL Players Association, not the NFL. Whether the guy was right or wrong, I, I feel like they wouldn't be able to find c- concrete evidence of that or at least have like a due process or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, like somebody said, oh, for, for them to not go through any due process um, and fire him right away means it must have been egregious, like really bad. I think I think it's the other way around. I think they they don't care to find a ton of evidence right now and they feel like they need to save face, which – you know, it, which if that's the case, they're not doing right by that person. Well, that's but, that's the name of the game in the NFL. We've yeah. seen this. I know. I know it's different. Yeah, I know it's yeah, the reaction. But, yeah. But we've seen this before. So not only that, I mean, if you read into it, you know, oh, well, he made multiple mistakes on his evaluation. What were the mistakes? Can you tell me what the mistakes were, please? Or are you just saying that? Yeah, I would like, say I, at, least, at least take enough time to come up with like a report that tells us these things. Because yeah, you know, just lie to my face with a, with a piece of paper, I'll believe yeah. it. If you put yeah. it on the record, I think most people would believe it. Absolutely. Yeah. What do I know? I'm not a neuroscientist. <laughs> sure, you just put a bunch of lies on a paper. I'm going to believe it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, 
you know, I, I do think, listen, I, I think people were a little over the top about not so much about the, uh, the, the back-to-back concussion thing. I, I understand that. I understand why, but I think, uh, I think the injury people were like, people were shocked and appalled by what they witnessed. I saw people very upset that, that Amazon replayed the, uh, the video of the injury, to be honest, you know, I saw Ryan Shazier was trending because, because people try to compare it to Ryan Shazier. This was nothing like Ryan Shazier. He, uh, went head first uh, into somebody's leg, like the the crown of his helmet into somebody's leg, um, and it it kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, crunched his neck. Like that's where yeah. that was it. It was a neck injury. This was very clearly a, a head injury. It hit the back. He hit the back of his head. I didn't think it was anything uh, that you don't see, you know, every weekend. What you don't see every weekend was was the reaction he had with his fingers, which was the yeah that uh, was scary. Yeah, which is a neurological reaction. Um, it's it's not the first time I've seen that though. It happened last year to uh, Donald Donald Parham Jr. of the of the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Um, he yes, I do remember that when he he caught yeah. that touchdown. I remember yeah, that against yeah. the Chiefs um, in prime time, and he got knocked out. He was very he was clearly knocked out. Um, and what it was was it was the same process it was a, like a neurological it was like a nerve response to uh mm-hmm. you know your brain taking that kind of impact cool. and his arms i know nobody's going to be able to see this unless they're watching on youtube but his arm went into his arms went into like the defensive yes position, i do remember uh, that involuntarily like just completely he was knocked out completely on their own i think that was even scarier and that's not to say that to his fingers were scary but you know it, it's something we've seen before with these head injuries and um usually if you if you have a head injury and it doesn't affect the neck, which I know they mentioned the neck, but I don't think he actually bent his neck in any weird way. No, I don't think um, so. Usually, you know, you don't have to worry about loss of movement and extremities or paralysis or something like you would with Shazier. So, right. you know, I think the concern, I think people might have went a little over the top because he was such a high profile player. Um, I, I think we've seen concussions like that. Not to say that they're anything, you know, not to downplay them or right, right, right. stomaching. Like, you know, you these are these are hard things you want to see for anybody, um, but I do think it was a more run of the mill concussion. What would make it not a run of the mill concussion is if he did in fact have one on Sunday, and um, you know I think they got, I think they have to take their time investigating that. Yeah, uh, one thing I want to say too is it's it's funny my reaction to it, and I'm sure a lot of people who who watch I, I know you're not really the biggest like um, you know combat sport guy like you, know, you don't really watch ufc and stuff right? right but i'm sure you've seen like knock like crazy knockouts before that happens all the time it does like you said it's a neurological response and it's, it's a nerve thing not to say that it's not scary because you can't you know when when you stiffen up out of nowhere it it, it does something to you and it, it it definitely affects you because um my my ufc heads who who watch this i doubt that even any do listen to this because we don't we don't talk any ufc but uh terry edham was a, uh, I believe he was a bantamweight or a featherweight contender way back, and he got knocked out by Leandro Barbosa, and it stiffened him up, complete like it, like completely. His whole body was stiffened up, and he was never the same after that. And you know, neurologically and physically, and his body started to deteriorate, and it was it was because of the head injury. So I I I think maybe it was an overreaction by people like us. Who don't really know what we're talking about, and we just see, and we're like, "Oh, something needs to be done about this." Uh, but not to downplay the effects, because something like that could happen when you stiffen up like that, and it's that bad. It, it, there's, there is, depending on the severity, you could be 
in jeopardy for the long term. So I think the caught, like the, the, I, I don't really know how I want to put this, but the, uh, the worry for Tua, I guess, if you want to say was warranted, maybe the response by some people wasn't, but uh, I, I will say what, what my take on it is, is I do think regardless of what comes of this from this investigation or what happened last Sunday as well with him, I think the NFL concussion protocol really needs needs to be looked over and maybe needs to be a little bit revised too. Uh, I, I wasn't a huge fan of, especially the way that Tua was walking last week, I wasn't a huge fan of him coming back into the game as quickly as he did after uh, it. I, you know, it, it proved to be effective because they wound up winning the game, I guess, if you want to look at it like that. But I I don't know. I just think that the players that, you know, the, we, we push for player safety and the NFL and the NFL Players Association is, uh, you know, player safety first. Do we really see player safety first all the time? I, I really don't think so. At the end of the day, this, this seems like an overreaction, like you said. But uh, I, I do think that this is a good opening for uh, a, a revisal for the concussion protocol. It's funny when when Brian Hoyer went down today um, with what ended up being a concussion. With that, with what ended up being a concussion, I said after what they did to the to the guy who evaluated Tua, you know whether fair or not. Oh, he's going to call it a concussion Brian, regardless. I said uh, <laughs> Brian Hoyer's out of the game. If I if I'm in there and and that just happened, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way I'm letting somebody who just got who they announced as being evaluated for a head injury go back and. I'll wait a couple of weeks before this dies down. Yeah. So, you know, the broader point of that is you might see more caution um, going forward, you know, if not long-term than, than this season. Uh, and, you know, that's probably a good thing. I mean, you, you don't want to see guys who, who genuinely don't have a concussion kept out of the game, but, but um, in general, more caution is probably for the best in this situation. So uh, yeah, that could be the positive change out of it for now. And it will be interesting to see if they, if they end up changing the protocol at all. I think that, I think they felt, that over the past few years, um, generally it's worked. I mean, there there really haven't been a lot of concussion. There has concussions haven't really been in the news as much. I think the yeah. last few years, as um, the years before when CT when CTE was the the big panic and all that. I think the last few years they've done a good job of um, at least you know quieting the uh, the critics on that. But but it, it's starting to stem back up again. And if if this is what causes yeah, you know why it's starting to stem back up again because we have a poster boy for CTE and Antonio Brown. Yes, That's why. Have. Yeah, we do. I, I wanna. I almost want to get into some. I almost want to talk about it, but I really did, don't. Well, did you so see? All right, we're not going to mention that. But did you see his Instagram post today of just him and Giselle? Yeah. I mean, the guy is just—he <laughs> needs to be stopped. But at the same time, he's—he's he's like every time he posts something, it's must see. Like I need to see what it, he it says. Is. Yeah, for for those who haven't seen it, look it up. It's a just a—it's a, a blurry screenshot of him after I—I'm I, assuming after the Super Bowl. It is um, yeah. with the Bucks of him hugging Giselle uh, with a big smile on his face. You know, I mean, I I'd have know. a big smile on my face if I was hugging Giselle too, but. I'm not and gonna, I just won the Super Bowl. I'm not going to pretend there's a, a reason behind the post. I think that's probably giving Antonio Brown's mind too much credit, but uh, it's pretty funny. So, <laughs> oh, it's just it's just must it's just must see every time. But I, I don't want to get into that. But um, yeah, no, I, I think like what you said, at least for the short 
in the in the short run, we'll see more precaution taken towards head injuries just because you don't want to repeat of what's been going on with the the uh, Miami Dolphins. But I do think that it needs a, a revisal, and I do think that at least maybe not a revisal, but at least at least go over it. Like they could go over it and not change anything. At least they could show some sort of effort into, you know, we're, we're trying to, I don't know why I'm using this voice every time, but we're, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, uh, improve player safety. I mean, Grant, Roger Goodell's voice. You could, no, I I don't know how the only Roger Goodell voice I know how to do is when he was talking about his jar of M&Ms and the NFL draft when he was clearly hammered when he was supposed to be announcing picks, but he was talking about the fucking M&M jar. That's like the greatest video I've ever seen. But, um, no, like, it's just, it's just a mess. But at the end of the day, we're playing football. You could put as much of a safety aspect as you want in it. It's still two gigantic human beings crashing into each other at high speeds. Something is going to happen. It doesn't matter unless you want them to play with pillows wrapped around them at all times. Something is going to happen. I mean, body parts go awry, you know, heads they cl- clash into each other. It just happens, you know, it, it, and there's really nothing you could do about it. it. Players hit their heads on the ground. Really what I'm, what I'm saying is I, I would like to see a revisal, but at the end of the day, pl- injuries are still going to happen. Concussions are still going to happen. It's the NFL. Damn it. Let's play some football. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think what we could look for is a revisal with the protocols, but you're right. Like that play, nothing wrong with it. You know, I mean, yeah. nobody, nobody, nobody even believes there's anything wrong with it because he was, yeah. he was dragged to the ground, tackled properly. Um, his head hit the ground. So, you know, I, when I think about how the NFL has kind of made progress with the concussions, I think that's a big reason is that um, when concussions happen now, they're usually not on, on plays that are controversial or outlawed. Uh, the NFL has done a good job of handling guys who go against the rules in that way. What we're dealing with now um, is the protocols. So we'll, yeah, we'll see if the, if the protocols change at all. Um, and if they do, you can bet that, that this game is probably the big reason why. Yeah. Uh, but, so, you know, going back to football, me and you both picked the Bengals in that game. Good yes. start to the week, one and zero. I think our next game we disagreed on, and I, I, I half regret my pick. Um, in, some injuries messed with it, but here we go. Here goes Dan with the excuses because no, he no, lost I'm, 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 I'm all in. I, I lost this one, and I, <laughs> I still think that the Saints had a good chance to win it, um, but they just barely couldn't pull it out in London. Yeah, uh, I, this was a game that I wasn't really able to watch at all, but I was keeping track of you know what was going on. But uh, one thing that stands out to me that we did talk about before is the play of Andy Dalton. I thought that, I'll say this, the way that Jameis has been playing this year, if Jameis Winston was starting that game, this would have been a complete blowout by the Minnesota Vikings. I, he has not been playing well. One bright spot for the for the New Orleans Saints so far this year has been Chris Olave. He has definitely lived up so far to the hype. Absolutely, him and Garrett Wilson have really lived up to the hype so far. Drake London as well. We've seen uh, really good play from really young wide receivers. George Pickens had a great game today too. He had the best catch in NFL history. That's right, I said it. <laughs> um, but. Regardless, I mean that's one bright spot, and I think I think Andy Dalton deserves at least consideration to start the next game. I yeah, I think more than consideration. I mean, the difference today was even even while they were so undermanned, which not having not having Michael Thomas, not having Alvin Kamara, having to rely on the rookie uh, Chris Olave, 
he kept them right in that game because he didn't turn over the ball. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't handing off interceptions left and right like Jameis Winston has this year. <laughs> if you can get Jameis to play like he did last year, where he only threw two interceptions and in seven starts, uh, I'm all for it. I, you know, he's probably the better option. But if he's playing, I think we talked about I'll talk a little bit about this last week. He's playing like uh, Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston, and he's taking shots like that that aren't there. Um, and it's it's leading to turnovers. If he's playing like that, Andy Dalton is the better option. Yeah. I know Andy Dalton is turn was turnover prone uh, in Chicago and and even toward the end of his Bengals. Well, career. everyone's turnover prone in but, Chicago. But, I mean, it's well, just that, been no, a, that, that's my point. This is a much better situation because today wasn't even uh, wasn't even his full uh, arsenal of weapons. He didn't have Michael Thomas, who would have been a great safety net for uh, the passing game. He didn't have Alvin Kamara, who could have taken some pressure off the passing game. Uh, he had to do a lot today, and I know. You know, as good as Chris Olave has been, he dropped one that could have been like a, a twenty or thirty yard gain. Um, there are a few drop. There are a few passes that weren't Andy Dalton's fault. Uh, I, I'm pretty impressed with what he did to move the offense. The fact that they put up 25 points without those guys, um, you know, nearly 28 of Will Lutz and made that last field goal. For right now, I, I think I would roll with Andy Dalton until further notice. But I, but that comes with a caveat. And if the turnover issues start, then we go back to Jameis and we see what works. Um, you know, see if he's learned his lesson. But right now, I think you have to ride the hot hand, especially at one and three, because you're running out of time. You need yeah, yeah. I was going to say your season is falling apart fast. You know, next thing you know, you put Jameis in there, throws two interceptions in the first half. You bring Andy Dalton then in, in the second half of the next game, and it, it's too far gone at that point. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're one and four, and it's really, really bad. It's looking bad for you. So I definitely agree with you on that. I, I think maybe more than consideration Andy Dalton uh, deserves, but. On the flip side with Minnesota, not particularly impressed with the performance again. I just don't get this Minnesota Vikings team. The pass rush sort of kind of showed up today a little bit. I mean, you know, you got Zadarius Smith a sack here and there. They they got pressure when they needed to. They weren't completely absent. I, you know, a big loss for the Minnesota Vikings is Lewis Seen as well, their, their rookie uh, hybrid corner slash safety. Big, big loss for them in the secondary there. Uh, what did he, he went out with a leg fracture? I think, right? Yeah, it was it was very it was visibly broken. Yeah, so um, that's sad because he was actually one of my favorite prospects in this past uh, draft class. So that that's that's sad to see. His season is probably over. So you know, offensively, it was okay. I mean, Dalvin Cook sort of kind of banged up. Twenty carries, seventy six yards. I didn't really I didn't even really expect him to play. I was surprised that he was active for the game. I thought they were kind of preaching all week that it was going to be the Alexander Madison show. And uh I really do like Alexander Alexander Madison. I really hope one day he he gets an opportunity to be a featured back because he really is good. He's always been one of the best like speaking from a fantasy football perspective, he's always been one of the best handcuffs in the league since since he's been drafted and, and he runs kind of like a, a sort of bigger version of Dalvin Cook. Like he's just, he looks like him too. He's got the dreads as well. You know, he was similar running style, aggressive, but yet elusive. Uh, I would like to see him get more of an opportunity, but I don't know. You know, Justin Jefferson came back, came back and was the Justin Jefferson that we know after two not so great weeks back to back. I love, I love the internet. Dan, because after last week where Justin Jefferson really didn't play that well, and then the week before that getting locked up by Darius Slay, people were like, well, well, you know, Justin Jefferson isn't isn't a top three receiver <laughs> in the NFL. He Some, put up 150 today almost. 
it's yeah, I was gonna say a 10 for what 147. I mean, yeah, come on, on, on Marshawn Lattimore, and he beat yeah, him exactly. too on one of those plays, like really beat him. Yeah, two steps on him. So, so I don't want to hear that crap, but um, once again, I, I do need to see a little bit more from this Minnesota Vikings team, but. You know what? I need to see more, but they're three and one right now, the Minnesota Vikings. And that's the fact that, and you know what? If you still have room to get better and you're three and one, the season is looking quite good for you. So um, that's looking well, well for them. I did pick the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I did have to sweat it out a little bit there at the end, but I did get the dub and that's already one over Dan for the week. So I, I was certainly happy about that. Yeah, I was feeling good when they when it was twenty two nineteen Saints, but uh, yeah, they they gave a good effort. I, I do I think it's going to click for the Saints at some point. I it, part of it may involve Andy Dalton playing uh, mm-hmm. over James, but the defense is is really good, um, and it feels like if the offense has just enough, which I I, I think they do when everybody's healthy, uh, that they can be a playoff team. But you know, one and three is tough to recover from. Yeah. Three and one, like you said, great start. I mean, no matter. I agree with you. There's a lot of issues for the Vikings to work out, um, but they got Justin Jefferson going again. Um, they just they got to be more consistent. You could say that for the last five years, but they've just got to be more consistent all around. But three and one is three and one. Yeah, definitely. Moving on, the next game, and uh, I've said this for two weeks running, and I'm going to say it for a third week, but there was just something that told me close to one o'clock, Peter you got to pick the Atlanta Falcons. And I didn't listen to myself there because that would have been the third week in a row that I picked the Atlanta Falcons. And I said, no, 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 no. This is too crazy. I said, Jacoby Brissett has been playing really, really good football for the Cleveland Browns. They're, they're hot. You know, they beat a division rival last week. They're going to be fine. And Atlanta has a Swiss cheese run defense. Going to be fine. Obviously that wasn't the case. Um, and, just like that, the Atlanta Falcons are two and two, and I know that they are probably the furthest thing from a playoff team. But this is the fourth game this year out of four that has been decided by seven or less points for the Atlanta Falcons. I, I'm pretty sure, actually, it might be like three or less points every single time, or like four or five or less points. Yeah. I mean, they they have been in every single game. And they look pretty good. Listen, if if I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan and I'm losing or winning games like this in a year where we're supposed to be absolute trash, that's an incredible win right there. But I will say one thing. Marcus Mariota came crashing down to earth today and crashing hard. He was not good. Also, Arthur Smith called 14 straight running plays after after his interception. So that should tell you the confidence level in Marcus Mariota for the Atlanta Falcons. Listen. I'm going to propose this question to you right now, right? You're two and two, not supposed to be two and two, maybe one and three, most likely zero oh and four. Are are we in agreement with that? With the at the beginning of the season, at least that's what we thought. Yeah, that's what I figured. One and three, maybe. So, you know, you already got two wins under your belt. Marcus Mariota has looked significantly worse every time out at this point. I feel like I, I feel like. The first game, he was really good. Second game, he was okay. Last week, he wasn't that great. This week, he was atrocious. So you're 2-2 two and two at 500 after the first month of the season. Is it time to start considering throwing Desmond Ritter in there to see what you, to see what you have? I don't think we're there yet. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think, like you mentioned, Mariota's been – he's had his, his highs and his lows. And even though the lows are coming now uh, with the wins – um, 
it, it kind of makes you wonder, well, hey, if we can get him playing like he did the first two weeks, um, and we've won the last two games with him playing poorly, we might really have we might might have a competitive team here. Um, I think I think Arthur Smith, um, a big reason why they got him is the coach Arthur Smith uh, knows Mariota. He was offensive coordinator mm-hmm. for a bit in Tennessee. I think he feels confident that he can get the most out of Mariota. Um, so I think he's I think it's smart for him to give him some time um, and see what he can do. All right, look, if you if you end up losing the next three games and you go to three and five, uh, two and five, and the season looks like it's about to come off the rails, you know why not? Um, but if Mariota, you know, if if they win another game in the next three and they're three and four, and Mariota's still playing decently, I say you just ride it out until you're you're officially eliminated. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't switch to Ritter until you're officially out at that point. Because um, well, with, with how competitive the team's played right now, um, I think you owe Mariota a shot a shot at this, a shot to compete. And I don't her, think there's a good sorry, chance. Go I don't. I don't think Ritter is has a good shot at being better than Mariota. Overall, no. And but this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking more of a long term thing because this is what really the Atlanta Falcons are thinking too. We already know that Marcus Mariota is not a long term solution at quarterback. As much as we may think, <laughs> you know, hey, he could be. He's not. I think. I think we're both in agreement with that. Um, Desmond Ritter was a third round pick, so. Not a lot of draft capital involved in selecting Desmond Ritter. I think teams are more inclined nowadays with a quarterback-driven league to not really necessarily care about drafting a quarterback in round two, three, four, whatever it may be, and then just never using him. You know, shout out Christian Hackenberg. Um, What I'm thinking here is if you're the Atlanta Falcons, at some point you're going to hit a really rough part of your schedule and you're going to lose games consistently. And you're probably going to end up with a top five pick. I will give them top eight as their like as their ceiling. Like the eighth overall pick is probably going to be their ceiling. What I'm thinking right now is you have to start thinking towards C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. That's what I'm saying. So would you rather give Desmond Ritter a large sample size to the point where it's like, hey, this is the guy going forward, or hey, this isn't the guy going forward? Let's draft a quarterback this upcoming year because this is one of the best draft classes we've seen for a quarter for quarterbacks in quite some time. They're not going to pass up as much as Atlanta Falcon fans want to argue with me in comment sections on YouTube saying that, you know, well, they like Desmond Ritter. That's great. But if they have an opportunity to draft someone like CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, they're going to take that opportunity. And we could thank the Arizona Cardinals for that sort of system where it's like, I don't really care if I spent a 10th overall pick on Josh Rosen. We got the number one overall pick. We're getting my quarterback. So what I'm saying is, would it would it be justifiable to give Desmond Ritter a large sample size to determine if he's the guy or not going forward? Because if he is the guy, you don't want to waste a top five pick on another quarterback if you got your guy. You know what I'm saying? But how are you going to know that if you don't give him a big sample size? Well, I mean, you, you kind of said it though. You said that even you know, even if it's unfair to him, uh, as a third round pick, they're not going to pass up on on a Stroud or Bryce Young for Desmond Ritter. I, I think that's true regardless. I mean, I, I think the scenario where Desmond Ritter comes out and plays and plays well enough uh, that they that he stops them from taking a quarterback like that is so far fetched that I don't think it's really worth uh, entertaining right now. I think you got to ride out Mariota, see where this team goes. Two and two is. I mean, right now it's in playoff contention when you look at how many teams are two and two. Um, It might even be tied for the division lead by the end of tonight. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think you got to just see it through. And, you know, if it comes to the point that you're eliminated or close to eliminated and you want to give Ritter a shot, that's fine. But I, I think no matter what, there's there's basically no scenario. Ritter's not a high ceiling quarterback. He's just a guy who may be a game manager. Um, even yeah, this guy over here, this guy, Dan, with some shitting on Desmond Ritter over I, here. Ritter's not the guy. I mean, look at him at Cincinnati. He He was a guy who avoided turnovers, but that was really it. Um, it wasn't overly impressive. I don't think there's a scenario where where he plays his way into the starting job next year. I am. Um, you know, one, if, if this I, was a, a draft without top quarterbacks, I would say maybe because that's what Davis Mills did. But I, I, I think if the Texans ended up um, at the top of this draft with Davis Mills last year, they would have went for a quarterback, just like they will listen, this year. All I'm they, going to say is I'm going to keep this conversation in my mind. Keep it. And when Desmond Ritter comes out and leads the Atlanta Falcons to the playoffs, <laughs> with throwing 35 intercept 35 interceptions. I already screwed myself. 35 touchdowns, no interceptions. I'm going to clip this and I'm going to put it on YouTube. Mark my words. But yeah, you're probably right. I I think it's just it, it's really more cannon fodder than anything talking about it right now. But on the flip side of the game, the Browns, I think the Browns are just going to continue to be the Cleveland Browns until Deshaun Watson gets there. You're going to get weeks like this where you know, they they look like a playoff team last week against the, the Steelers, and then they come out and they lose to the lowly Atlanta Falcons. I feel like this is just going to be the norm for them, where eventually when Deshaun Watson comes back, what is it, an 11 or 12-game suspension? 11. They'll probably be 6-5 and five or 5-6. Five and six. Like, they're just going to continue to flip-flop games as, as it goes along. And honestly, the way that the AFC North is going, they might still, especially at 6-5, and five, they might definitely be in it. So... Um, this is kind of like a huh, type of game, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. No miles Garrett. Right. So that, you know, that's, that's part of it. Although Mariota played, poorly. I had to get into a car accident. Yeah. <laughs> the nerve of him. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It doesn't really affect, um, I mean, it affects the standings, but it doesn't really affect my, my view of the Browns. Nick Chubb ran the ball. Well, uh, continues to run the ball. Well, Brissett had highs and lows. Um, he started out the game really strong. Uh, you know, the, these are the games they play. They're extremely close. Even the Steelers one that they won by 12 was actually really close. Yeah. Um, and it's going to continue to be that way. They just got to, you're right, six and five should probably be the goal because that can get you into the playoffs if you can have a solid final uh, six game. So, you know, take it week by week with them. Yeah. We got a, we got a high scoring one. Yeah. And um, I'm going to completely flip the switch when it comes to this game. This was by far the most entertaining game of the week. You know, 48-45 between the Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions. I understand no one expected defense. I don't think we expected this level of no defense. What bothered me the most is every single step that we've taken towards the Detroit Lions being a better football team, I feel like we have just completely unraveled and we're back to square one. And you know what? You could say, but Peter – here we go. The voice again. This is the fifth time he's done that. Is this my voice now? <laughs> no, no, no. But you know, now I just have to use it every single time. But Peter, you know, they they lost by one score. They gave up forty eight points. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Like you should score forty five points and win. I want to see the statistic on NFL teams that have scored forty five points in a game and see how many have lost. It's got to be like two percent or like three percent. This. Now, I remember, the, you know, I defended the Detroit Lions for the first three weeks. This is a team that, you know, 
you know, looks really good and they're losing with pride. No, this is a game that they absolutely should have came in. This was a statement for them. You know how they say that teams that show improvement are supposed to beat teams that aren't that great? The New York Jets went out and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers today. And I'm not even trying to, to, to say that, but that shows improvement to me. They fought back. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are not the Pittsburgh Steelers of the last 10 years. They are a significantly worse team than they've been. But they went out and they did come back and they beat them. That shows me improvement. This, when you're losing to a team like Seattle and Geno Smith can basically have a perfect quarterback rating against you and put up 48 points, that really doesn't show me any improvement whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there are a lot of Lions fans who are upset with um, with Aaron Glenn, who's the defensive coordinator. He got some head coaching interest last offseason. Yeah, well, it's gone now. It's It's gone now, and, you know, who knows? I, I think Dan Campbell loves him, so I, I don't want to say his job will be gone soon, too. But if it keeps up this way, I mean, something's got to give. Um, but on the on the other side of that, the offense, without um, Amon Ross St. Brown, without DJ Shark, without uh, DeAndre Swift, managed 45 points and I think that you know you got to give some credit to Jared Goff for working TJ Hawkinson had a massive game yeah Josh Reynolds had a big game Jamal Williams is great on the ground uh, but Jared Goff threw for close to 400 yards four touchdowns he's really showing something and that's why I continue to hold out hope for these Lions because they have an offense that can beat any team and the fact that they put this offense out there today I don't care that it's Seahawks is 45 points yeah. but, without- Dan, but 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 Dan I feel like I feel like we're kind of missing the point here where it's like well, I know when the you're playing, but, but when you're playing catch up like this or 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 there was points where the game was I don't want to say out of reach but there was a there was a time where multiple times where the game was two scores or more I feel like for Seattle. So you know a lot of these numbers I I feel like this game is the Blake Bortles effect where you have you know at the end of the game sure the the Jaguars lost by 10 points but Blake Bortles put up 400 yards and five touchdowns. You know, we should be saying that he's the, the future. And don't get me wrong. I think Jared Goff has played really, really well up until this point in the season. But you have to say that a lot of these numbers today were really empty. I mean, they were playing catch up the entire game. Of course, he's going to have huge numbers. The Seattle secondary, beside, minus that pick six that they had, they're atrocious. They're terrible. Of course, he's going to put up big numbers. You know, and I'm not really trying to take anything away from him, but... I can't sit here and say, oh, you know, Jared Goff has really showed me something. He threw for 400 yards. You know, he should be throwing for 400 yards against the Seattle Seahawks secondary. But did Marcus Mariota do that last week? Marcus Mariota's terrible. Exactly. So Jared Goff is no longer – he's not in that realm. It's confirmed. He's at least an average quarterback. (laughs) I never said that he was a terrible quarterback. A lot of people think he's he's a low-end quarterback. He's looking a lot like he did with, yes, the Rams. He's looking like that. And this game was not over today. Even though they were they were trying to catch up, they were successfully trying to catch up. The defense wouldn't let them. They did enough to catch up three times over. They, the defense just kept it out of reach. Uh, but it, it was it was a, a game that they were in uh, almost the entire way. Even they made it a they made it a, a three point game with five minutes left. They were very much in this, and then the defense gave up another touchdown or whatever it was. Um, I do give credit to the Lions' offense, especially without their top two receivers. Um, top two wide receivers and their top running back. I mean, that's impressive for a team that uh, early last season had a lot of trouble scoring. Jared Goff didn't look good at all. Uh, but yeah, the defense has work to do on the Seahawks side because I think it's important to talk with them a little bit. Um, yeah, Geno Smith, he he looked pretty good. I mean, listen, we know the Lions' uh, defense is not good; it's, it's well established. But <laughs> Geno Smith, 
looked better than probably better than Kirk Cousins did last week against that defense. Uh, they Jeff Okuda was not a problem like he was for Justin Jefferson. He wasn't a problem uh, for DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, who both had big games. Uh, it, it was the, the Seahawks are showing some fight. They're not a playoff contender. I don't. I do not believe that. Um, but they are. They're doing better than I expected offensively. Even as a, a little bit of a Geno fan, uh, they're they're outdoing my expectations so far. So, you know, I, I don't think there's much of a future there where they're going to be contending in December. Uh, but I do give Pete, Pete Carroll and his staff some credit. Yeah, it, it, this is. Really, if you look at this team, it's really built more for a defensive rebuild than anything because you have the weapons and the offensive line is not as bad as people think. Yeah. You know, it's gotten a little bit better. Definitely. It has. And I mean, granted, you're starting, you're bookending two rookie tackles in Abraham Lucas and Charles Cross. So there's going to be some growing pains there. But I mean, if we come back next year or two years from now and those guys are both great, I mean, it's there's some real promise on on that offensive side. Absolutely, defensively, I mean it, it's terrible. I, I mean you, you know you give up 45 points and you I mean you almost lose. I mean that's that. Thank God that Geno Smith played like a godly figure today because if not, this would be a very different conversation. But yeah, I'm gonna give them credit for sure. I I I, I mean I really do like seeing Geno Smith play well. It makes me feel happy seeing him play well. So definitely. That, that's really I, I like that a lot. Um, I did I did pick the Detroit Lions. I don't know if you picked. Uh, I picked the Lions. Yeah, I really thought that Detroit was really going to show me something today, and they really didn't. But uh, speaking of a team that didn't show me anything after a positive week last week, the Indianapolis Colts were the biggest upset last week. It was ninety seven percent. People picked the Kansas City Chiefs. They should have taken this and absolutely run with it. But instead, we got a flat as tap water offense. Uh, and and basically, I mean, it, it was close, then it wasn't close, then it was close again. But it's it it felt like a close score. It never felt like the Colts were really in the football game, though. It felt like – it just felt like a total – a classic Mike Vrabel win where it was like, he just kind of really dominates possession and his defense plays well enough to get them the win. I know it was 24 17, but uh, it, it didn't feel that close. And I, I think the Colts problems are abundantly clear at this point. They're in desperate need of another wide receiver and they're in desperate need of a franchise quarterback. Because once again, like we said for the past four years, Matt Ryan does not seem like the long-term answer here. Yeah, I mean, this game was 24-17 with seven minutes left in the third quarter, and that's how it finished. They didn't didn't score at all the rest of the game. Neither did the Titans, but the Titans weren't the team chasing anybody. They could just run the ball and and hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, The Colts had every opportunity to get back into this game, you know, several drives. Uh, and they couldn't do it. I think their last two drives ended in a, a Jonathan Taylor fumble and a missed field goal. I mean, that Oof. was that kind of day for them. And Jonathan Taylor was completely shut down, 42 yards and 20 carries. He hurt his ankle. His status for Thursday night is is uncertain. It's a high ankle like, sprain, so he's definitely not playing. Yeah, it looks like he's not playing, though. Neither is Javante Williams for the Broncos. I, I, mean, I just traded even. for Javante Williams um, the oh, other day, too. At that, they, well, that might be an ACL injury or something similar. So <laughs> Thanks, Dan. 
But <laughs> uh, no, but this Colts offense is in bad shape. This is what happened today that Matt Ryan threw uh, well over 300 yards uh, because he had to because they were playing catch up and Jonathan Taylor couldn't do anything. Uh, and they couldn't score at all because of it. They cannot rely on that passing game. Uh, there are there aren't enough receivers. Yeah, this Colts offense just doesn't have uh, doesn't have anything to rely on. You can't rely on the passing game, and right now Jonathan Taylor is getting bottled up because teams know that, and now he's hurt. So I, I think this is uh, a big tr- big trouble for the Colts. Uh, last week I was pretty high on them too. I thought that this offense is starting to come together, like you mentioned. Uh, the defense is still very good. I know Shaq Leonard unfortunately came back and then left again with a concussion, which might keep him out Thursday. But uh, the defense still played well. Offense just couldn't keep up, and I, it's starting to look like last week's win over the Chiefs was kind of a fluke. Um, and I, I don't want to say they're out of it at one, two, and one in the AFC South. They're actually only a half game back. It's such a but weird, a very, it's such a weird record. No, but it's a very important divisional game that's going to haunt them, I think, late in the year. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. On and on the Tennessee side of the ball, the Titans did exactly what they were supposed to do to win the game, and that is not let Ryan Tannehill throw them out of the game. Because that's what he's been doing, and he did not do that this week. And like I said, this is a, a classic Mike Vrabel win where it's it's boring. It's let's run the ball forty eight times, and you know what though? It, it, it they get results, and this is now two wins in a row for them after a really bad start to the season. And here we go. This is the same thing that we say about the Tennessee Titans every year, where it's like you know what? They don't really seem like they're going to be the team that comes out of the, the AFC South. And they wind up ten and seven or nine and eight, and they they pull through, and then they upset someone in the playoffs, and then next thing you know, they're in the divisional again. And this just seems like that type of thing where it's like now they're going to start to pick up steam. The defense for the Tennessee Titans really has surprised me so far this year. They, especially the secondary, I didn't think the secondary was going to be as good. But then you look and they and they have so many young guys. And Christian Fulton, Caleb Fairley, they have a lot of young, talented cornerbacks. So. You know, it was only a matter of time before they start putting it together, and they're putting it together at the right time. Uh, unfortunately, Traylon Burks was carted off the field. I don't know the extent of the injury, but uh, that could be a big blow for them too. So I would keep an eye on that. But uh, good start for Tennessee. Good, uh, good bounce back after being zero and two. They beat the Raiders. They they beat two playoff team. Well, were the Colts playoff team last year? I don't even remember. They were not because of Carson Wentz. No, yes, that's right. The meltdown in, in, week, <laughs> in week eighteen. Thank you. So they beat a good, a, a decent Colts team, and they beat a playoff team last week in the Raiders. So or a playoff team from last year in the Raiders. Definitely not this year. But so uh, good things to build momentum on. And uh, I, I I just have to cut it short because the next game that's on there is just it just makes me so happy. There's a huge smile on my face. It is the New York Jets coming back and beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this was definitely a tale of three quarters and then the fourth quarter. And um, I don't know if you see the same way as I do, Dan, but this is basically Zach Wilson's first preseason game, I guess you want to call it. I know that he played like a drive and then got injured or two drives in the first preseason game. But um, I think he looked quite good except for one really bad interception. And I've seen a lot of good growth from him. And I've seen today we saw the confidence stepping up in the pocket, more accuracy, especially over the middle of the field where he threw so many of those interceptions last year was over the middle of the field, throwing behind receivers, throwing over receivers. 
Every single throw over the middle was pretty much a dime today. We've seen him escape sacks at, at a, at a, at, I think he only got sacked once today. Everything else, he escaped sacks. He threw the ball away. He, he, he has really started to understand the, Hey, I don't have to make live another down. I don't have to, I don't have to, uh, you know, win the game on this one throw. I could throw it away and then come back on second and third down and make a play there. I saw tremendous growth from him today. I thought hearing Brees Hall say that the first thing that he said in the huddle was let's score a fucking touchdown and win this game. I thought that showed that exuded tremendous confidence. I mean, you could say whatever you want and now he could have thrown an interception on the first play and the game could have been over, but it just works out that much better. But I thought that he, he showed tremendous growth granted, you know, there's going to be some rust. That first interception was bad. It was also, uh, it was also a disguised coverage. So even, I don't know who was called. I don't remember who was calling the game, if it was Jay Feely or James Lofton, but even he said he was like, there's really no reason why Zach Wilson should have saw the underneath coverage on that. It was disguised really well. Not going to make excuses. It was still a bad throw to make towards the end of the first half. Uh, But uh, the second interception definitely wasn't his fault. He threw it right at Tyler Conklin's head and Tyler Conklin's hands are made out of fucking granite and he (laughs) popped right out of his hands. Um, and I thought that was pretty much it after that. I was like, you know what? They went up by two scores at that point. I was like, it's, it's pretty much over. And and the jets looked good for the first eight minutes of the game. And then they looked like trash the rest, but the fourth quarter, they really came out. They did. They really have like kind of taken on that never give up sort of attitude or we're never out of a game attitude. It feels like, I mean, last week was an, an exception. The game got away from them really, really fast. Um, but this week, I think even down two scores, they kind of knew that they were still in the game and, uh, hats off to them. Hats off to the coaching staff. I know I've been really, really critical of them so far this season, but, uh, I thought that the coaching staff prepared them well. See, that was a big thing for me. The Jets didn't seem like they were prepared in most games. And that's not only this year, last year as well. They seemed very prepared for this. And even they even seemed prepared for when Kenny Pickett came into the game, too, which was I was afraid of. Because if you remember in 2018, on Thursday Night Football in week two, when the Jets were playing great against the Browns and then Baker Mayfield came in and then got torched the rest of the game. They they mentioned it on the broadcast, too. They didn't mention which team it happened to that it happened to these same Jets. But, yeah, they they made mention of that and it gave me some PTSD. Yeah, so that's exactly what I thought was going to happen again. Uh, but it didn't, and the, the Jets were prepared. I'm, I, I don't know why. I'm seeing only three interceptions on the score sheet. I know that they did have four. I don't know if they took one away because of that lateral play, which would make no sense to me. But um, oh, I think they, I think they did because they fumbled at the end of that lateral play. I don't know, but I mean, another big thing. Then the last thing I'll say on this for the Jets is uh, their safety tandem has been absolutely atrocious throughout three games. And today they really stepped up. Jordan Whitehead looked like the player that we thought he was going to be when he signed. And LaMarcus Joyner had two interceptions today as well and played very, very well. So uh, hats off to the Jets today. They they showed some fight. And, you know, the New York Jets are 2-2. Two and two. They are 500 after the first month of the season. I don't think that we could discredit that in any way. Yeah, I mean, and where do I start with this game? I mean, I, I think Zach Wilson was was a tale of two players today. He, he had eight completions. Uh, through the first three quarters, and then he had ten. He went ten for twelve in the in the fourth quarter. Um, he was terrific in the fourth quarter, and not just on on any throws, but on third and fourth down, he was yeah. money. And it's really not something I expected from him, but he he was a killer. I mean, it, it, he's somebody who 
he's somebody who's going to go through a lot of growing pains this year. Like I think I think it's very clear today. Like he can be that he can be the guy. He's not always going to be the guy, at least not right away. Uh, but the fact that he's kind of showing that killer instinct uh, is such a great development for this team. Um, you're right. The defense that milf hunter instinct. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> No, but the, the defense for this team, you mentioned LaMarcus Joyner, I think, had the game of his life. It wasn't even just the two interceptions. He <laughs> the also, game of uh, his life. Yeah. He tipped one of those interceptions that didn't yeah. go to him. Uh, he broke up the play, and then he had another pass breakup that was huge. Uh, such a great game. Um, yeah, the, the Trubisky thing. I said it. I said we need Trubisky to play well enough that he, they don't bring in Pickett because we saw this happen with Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield, although I think in that game Tyrod got hurt. But it was still trending that way anyway. Um, the, that that was that seemed like the only danger for the Jets because it was really looking like Trubisky was the the worst quarterback on the field between the two. And of them. he was, and he was. Um, and I thought maybe with like that that near touchdown to Deontay Johnson that he was playing well enough to stay in this game. But Mike Tomlin made the move. I give him credit. Not all the interceptions were on Pickett. Uh, one of them, the most important one, very much was. It was a, a ball that probably shouldn't have been thrown, and it was overthrown to Pat Fryermuth, um, you know, another guy that's going to go through growing pains, Kenny Pickett. Uh, but you, you got to like that, that killer instinct from Zach Wilson down the stretch today. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the season has in store for the Jets record wise, but two and two uh, in October is pretty solid, especially for a team that just won its first September game two weeks ago since 2018. They usually don't start out even uh, with a win. So good for them. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm uh, I'm excited to see what this brings. Um I they are playing the Dolphins next week, right? They are. Whether that's Teddy oh. or Tua. So uh personally, I'm hoping that it's Teddy. But if it's Tua, it makes it even sweeter if the Jets can come out. I'm not even saying win. If they can come out and keep it a competitive game against a, 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 an absolutely explosive offense in the uh Miami Dolphins, that would be that would make me feel a lot better uh, about where we're going this season. If they go out and they get absolutely torched and they let up a 50 burger to the fucking Miami dolphins, then all right, you know, we're back to square one. Kind of like what I said with the Detroit lions, but there's definitely encouraging signs here. And like you said, the killer instinct is a big thing for me last year. If that Zach Wilson was put in that situation, he throws a game losing interception on like the second pass attempt. It's just how it was last year. It was no confidence at all this year he is that dude and you know like he he seems like i'm not gonna say that he's that dude yet he thinks that he's that dude and that's the most important yeah. thing honestly and he's but, got um, yeah that, that too that that too but i could talk about that game all night so i think it would just be smart if we move on i picked the jets and you i did as jets, well right yep. oh, nice we are two of the 17 percent that picked the, the jets <laughs> i love it i love it um, moving on, the next game, the Buffalo Bills and the Baltimore Ravens. This was my favorite on paper matchup of the week because it, I mean, you got two explosive offenses, two 2018 first round quarterbacks. One should have went a lot higher than people think really both. Honestly, if we, if we go back, these should have been the two quarterbacks taken, uh, the first two quarterbacks taken off the board, uh, number one and two, but, um, really the. The summary of it, or the the quick synopsis, if you will, Dan, is the Baltimore Ravens should be 4-0, and they have lost two terrible games to AFC East opponents in very crippling fashion. 
Yeah, they did it again. They had a 17-point lead. And, you know, I, the defense deserves some of the blame. Well, they deserve basically all the blame for the, the Dolphins game. Today, they didn't score in the in the second half. That's a problem. It's real that today you can't blame that on the defense. Of course, the Bills are going to score some points. They did not score in the second half. Part of that, they had a chance to kick a field goal. John Harbaugh opted to go for it. This is when it was, uh, I believe it was, you know, I don't know the exact score. It was toward the end. I don't know if it was 2020. Um, it probably wasn't yet. But uh, the, the, the Bills had a chance. Uh, the Ravens had a chance for three. Would have helped them a lot in the end. They ended up losing by three. John Harbaugh went for it. Um, he explained, you know, we went for it because we're going to we pin them at the two yard line, even if we miss it. Uh, but Lamar Jackson ended up throwing an end zone inter- interception. That that was a touchback for the that Bulls. was a killer. Yeah, that Made was, that was an absolute killer. Uh, I don't agree with that decision from Harbaugh. I think in that scenario in the game, with it was something like four or five minutes left, field goal makes all the difference early in the game. Whatever, go for it. Uh, you know, go for the kill. This was not it. I think at this, in the, at this stage of the game, you need the field goal. Uh, they didn't do it. Ended up losing. It reminded me a lot of those those two point conversions that John Harbaugh did at the end of games last year when he decided, well, we're not playing for overtime against teams that they definitely could have beaten in overtime. They definitely could have beaten in overtime, and they should have been a playoff was, team last year. This was, I think, a little too bold from John Harbaugh, um, and it, it cost them. But you know, the Bills are you got to give the Bills some credit too. The defense, which is still a little bit undermanned with some of the guys they have out, really stepped up in the second yeah. half. They shut them out in the second half. So. Uh, you know, the Bills are still a great team, even though I picked the Ravens. Um, I think these are two very good teams. The Ravens clearly have some things to work out. The Bills are, are still a great team. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, I uh, I did pick the Bills. And uh, I I was actually, before, before 1 o'clock, I was second-guessing it because I was looking at the injury report, and I was like, they had a lot not, of looking, not looking good. <laughs> but uh, um, I just stuck with the Bills. and. Um, yeah, like you said, the Bills are a great football team uh, all around. The Ravens are too, and it kills me to see them lose games like this because I will I said it twice already, I'll say it again. They should be 4-0. They should be the only other team besides for the Eagles that are 4-0. And it, it, it's two really bad collapses. And, and you have to think, this is now another bad decision by John Harbaugh. A lot of Baltimore Ravens fans are calling for his head. They think he should be fired. That's crazy in my opinion. Yes, he does take a lot of risks. But he's also probably the best head coach they've had in franchise history. And not only that, he's led them to the promised land and all that. I'm not saying that he should stay, you know, based off his past. But he still gives you the best opportunity to win. And he gets your team prepared for every opponent. The Baltimore Ravens are never blown out of a game. They're never out of a game, in my opinion. John Harbaugh still does his due diligence as a head coach. So, yeah, he makes a poor decision here or there. Who doesn't? Get used to it, honestly. I mean, God, I've seen bad decisions my whole life. Not for me, sort of. Oh, God, good but... thing you clarified. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, anybody who's going as far as saying fire John Harbaugh is a lot of people. As, Dan are saying, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess Ravens fans are upset, and I would be too. But they've they've missed the broader point. Uh, but the, you know, there are some decisions that could be refined, and some of these bold ones have cost them. Um, They've they've got a it cost them a playoff spot last year, so they've got to get that in order now. Yeah. The, the the good news is like we talked about earlier, the AFC North uh, is very much winnable. Everybody's two and two except for the Steelers who are one and three. So you know if they want to win it, all they got to do is go out and win some divisional games. Uh, but yeah, these losses are, are ones they'd like to have back. They could have had these. Definitely. 
Definitely, definitely, definitely. And uh, it's not cute anymore because last year with Tyler Hundley, by the way, an, another guy who's a, who's a, a solid backup. Yeah. You know, a lot was it was were both of those games that he decided to go for two and they didn't go for it. He was at the the helm, right? At least but, one of them. At least I know there's at least one of them. So you could kind of of fall back on the, hey, I have a backup quarterback here. I can't afford to play overtime. We have to win it now. There's only, you know, you can't do that now. This is Lamar Jackson, someone who should be paid $50 million a year to play quarterback. You know, he's, you you can't make that same excuse. So, you know, it's, it's time to kind of clean up your act a little bit and not get so cute if you're, if you're um, John Harbaugh, but moving on the next game, this was a tricky one, Dan. It really was because yeah. the the LA chargers and the Houston Texans, the LA chargers yet again, this year have been absolutely snake bitten by the injury bug. And it hasn't even taken that long yet. You got one of the best young left tackles in football and Rashawn Slater. He's out for the season. Basically half their offense. Keenan Allen has been pissing me off as a fantasy owner. Uh, he's in for five days of the week. And then on Saturday he's out. I don't know what to believe, but, um, you know, they, they basically been peppered with injuries all over their roster so far this year. And, uh, Houston did beat the crap out of them last year in Houston. Yeah, they Davis Mills. Yeah. Had a huge game against them last year. Maybe the best yeah. of his career. So my first inclination was after I immediately picked the LA Chargers, I was like, well, now wait a minute here. This is a team that's in worse shape health wise than last year. So what's going to happen? But then I thought to myself, I was like, there's no way that the LA Chargers are going to, there's no way Justin Herbert's going to allow the LA Chargers to go down to one and three. So I kind of, that kind of made me feel a little bit better. And uh, <clears throat> the Houston Texans had no business coming back, roaring into this game the way that they did. I thought it was going to be over super quick and uh, they definitely made it a game. That's for sure. Yeah, and Damian Pierce impressed the rookie. He had a 75-yard touchdown run. I think he ended yep. up with 131 yards. Um, he had a good game. I, I think that what made me so confident about the Chargers, um, not overly confident because of their injuries and what happened last year, but confident enough to pick them, uh, was that the Texans' run defense um, is pretty terrible. And Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler was doing some big things early in the game. I'm not even sure how he finished out, but he was a big part of the reason why they they took such an early lead. Um, and Justin Herbert had a big game. I think he's probably we could probably stop worrying about his health. It seems like he's not playing through as much pain anymore. Yeah. Um, and hope hopefully in another in another week or so, uh, he'll be all good if he isn't already. So I think that's great news for the Chargers. Yeah, they've they've got to get through these injuries. Um, you know, Slater's not coming back. That's a huge problem. I know Jamari Slayer, who is a sixth-round rookie who filled mm-hmm. in for him, actually played really well. Uh, so if that can continue, because they put him over Storm Norton, if that can continue, that's huge for them. And um, listen, Joey, listen, you Joey can put me over Storm Norton, and I might do better. <laughs> I might do better than him. And uh, and Joey Bosa is he's out long term, but he's going to come back this year. So if they can they can sustain themselves, and maybe I think and none of the other injuries besides Jalen Guyton are actually out for the year. Um, so they can sustain themselves, get Keenan Allen back, get some of these guys back. Um, they'll still be a, a, a real competitive team at the end of the yeah. year, a team that can maybe win a playoff game. Um, but, yeah, you can't lose games like this. And luckily this year they didn't. Last year it cost them a playoff spot. This year they didn't. I don't have mm-hmm. anything to say about the Texans. Besides Damian Pierce starting to play much better, it's a terrible team. Really, they're, yeah, they're I'm, uh, I'm in Number agreement. One. 
number one. I'm going to agree with you on that one, especially. I mean, they have some young players that are playing well. Nico Collins is playing well uh, so far this year, too. So, I mean, I guess if you just want to look towards the future, but this team is just filled with a bunch of depth players that are forced into starting roles at this point. It's, it's, you know, thankfully they have this draft capital from the Cleveland Browns because they're going to need it. I mean, their, their linebacking core is in, is in shambles. Their secondary actually has been pretty okay so far this year, minus this game. Um, you know, Derek Stingley has played well so far this year. Yeah, well, He's Petrie starting to live up. Interceptions last week. Yep. Petrie, well, I mean, it was against the, it was against Justin Fields. It doesn't count. Yeah, but um, he throws so so you know infrequently that the fact that, that he can do those. I guess that's good. true. He might have caught him napping every once in a while. I guess you might be you might be right with that one, but yeah, uh, just it, it's just a bad team. You're right. There's no way no way to go around it. It's a bad team. And then the uh, Carson Wentz experiment in Washington is already not looking great. There's really not. I mean, there's really not much that he could do. The Dallas Cowboys just absolutely dominated the Washington Commanders. It felt like, I mean, it was only 25 to 10, but it felt like an absolute domination. Yeah, if you had asked me, you know, before they played the Giants, if this would be a competitive game, I'd say yeah. But after seeing what happened last week, which, you know, the Eagles sacked Carson Wentz nine times, uh, the Cowboys harassed Daniel Jones, you knew this was not going to be a good matchup for the commanders. And sure enough, that's yeah. what it was. They, they had nothing going offensively that, you know, um, I think this is probably the, the least interesting game of the week because the Cowboys pretty much came out uh, and did what they were, what we all knew they were capable of. Cooper rush did enough. He continues to look like a real solid backup. Yeah. Cooper rush is the goat bro. <laughs> <laughs> Him and, you know, sometimes it's funny how, how backups come in and they throw to like the, like the second team receivers. Cause that's who they have the connection. Yeah. With in the practice <laughs> and him and Noah Brown, who I barely knew before the season, him and Noah Brown have this great connection. Um, he's like half the offense now. So CD Lamb had another great move today to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Cowboys are in good shape. I'm, I'm, this might be the last game without Dak, and I'm looking forward to seeing how much the offense can take off with Dak. But the way this defense is playing right now, the way Dan Quinn is drawing it up, I, I think this is – I'm not ruling them out from competing with the undefeated Eagles because they are – they look like they have a defense that could beat anybody right now. Yeah, and I mean, if it wasn't for Jerry Jones is so crazy that if it wasn't for the $89 million, yeah, you heard me right, $89 million cap hit that Dak Prescott has next year if they decided to cut him or trade him, Cooper Rush would be the starting quarterback from here on out. Dude is undefeated. I'm I'm, I'm trading all my assets until he loses. That's it. <laughs> That's it. But yeah, can you believe that by the way? I had to look at I had to look it up before to make sure that that number was accurate. 89 close to 90 million dollar cap hit. That's got to be like the highest cap hit of all time. Has to be. Yeah, I know Mahomes has some big ones coming during like the like the the real meat of his contract, but that's probably it right there. Yeah, crazy. But you're right. Very least least interesting game and the one thing that is funny though, I'm pretty sure Dallas only sacked Carson Wentz like twice. Yeah, it wasn't. It actually wasn't bad. I mean, they they kept him under pressure, but that's they, the thing. They didn't, they, they, didn't, they didn't get to him as much. And I guess you got to give the the Commanders O line a little bit of credit because they were mauled last week by the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, and what the Cowboys did to Daniel Jones, it looked like it should have been the same thing this week. So give them credit, but there's just not enough. No, uh, it's, Carson Wentz isn't enough. I should say to, to yeah. To Jahan Dotson looks good. So Jahan Dotson continues to look good. Yeah. Uh, big fantasy guy. He's always involved in the red zone. 
Yeah. So, I mean, if the, I always try and take one positive away for some of these teams, and that's really all I have that's for the Washington right. Commanders. Um, moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Philadelphia Eagles are still the only undefeated team in the NFL. Kind of, sort of, if it wasn't for Miles Sanders having probably the game of his life, kind of came crashing back down to earth against this very surprising Jacksonville Jaguars team. This was the make or break week for me for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This was where I was going to decide if the Jaguars are actually a decent team or they're just showing us a facade for the first three weeks. And very impressed. Very impressed more so with the defense than anything because Trevor Lawrence kind of regressed himself back to last year, losing four fumbles, which is the first player in 100 years to lose (laughs) four fumbles in one game. Daniel Jones never did it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure he's fumbled four times, but yeah, he recovered yeah. one of them at least. But yeah, Trevor Lawrence fumbled four times, lost all four of them. Uh, didn't particularly look too good, but this is a really tough Philadelphia Eagles team. And honestly, Dan, I'm going to keep saying it until they prove me otherwise. The Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the NFC. And I really think that they should be the front runner to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. There's, I mean, granted, had they played the best competition so far, not really. But yeah, not really. I was but, just but, thinking. But, but you know, look at look at. I mean, look at how many two and two teams there are. They're losing. Every good team is losing to some bad teams out there. The Eagles. Yeah. The fact that they've they've beaten four of them. I'm not saying the Jaguars are bad, but the fact that they've beaten all of them with relative ease. is yeah. Very impressive. This one was surprising. Uh, I I did think. I mean. The Jaguars did jump out to a 14-0 lead, and I was like, oh, my God, Doug Peterson should be the next president of the United States. Like, if he could turn this team around like this, he could turn the country around. But, um, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles came back, and they proved how good they are. And uh, the rushing attack remains to be – remains the best in the NFL. I mean, if it's if it's not Jalen Hurts running at you – it's Miles Sanders. If it's not Miles Sanders, it's Boston Scott. If it's not Boston Scott, it's Kenneth Gainwell. I mean, it's just like yeah. it's a relentless attack. And I mean, until someone figures it out, I you might as well just ride it. I mean, yeah. And you got AJ Brown and Devontae Smith to worry about and Dallas Goddard. It's a it's a good team. Dan. And the it's offensive line is probably the best part of the offense. It, yeah. It's Jason Kelsey continues to play like an all pro. Every single year, he's like, "Oh, I might retire this off season. I might." Not. And then he just becomes back, an all pro. He comes back and plays like an all pro. I mean that he he's yeah he should be a hall of famer. He's got a Super Bowl win. He might compete for another. Um, but yeah, no, I mean look at look at how you described it. All those weapons in the running game, in the passing game, uh, and then on the offensive line, they've got one of the best, if not the best, offensive line in the league. It's such a complete roster. Um, and you got to give uh, Howie Roseman credit for building up the defense to play at the level of the offense. They have a really good deep defense now without holes um i agree with you that this is the best team in the nfc at the moment um but i will say the jaguars are are impressive and i don't i don't give i don't blame them too much for this loss i mean you know it was in philadelphia in the rain i'm sure that contributed to the fumbles a little bit i expect trevor lawrence to play better in warmer weather Um, but you know the the way the eagles came back from that deficit like almost in a blink of an eye, super mm-hmm. easily. They didn't panic or anything. That tells me that this Eagles team is so much better than last year. The fact that they never panicked and they made it look easy coming back coming back from that kind of deficit against a Jaguars team that really does look pretty solid. Um, I, I have 
I, I feel like you have to come away from this game saying both teams might be as good as we uh, hoped coming into this week. Yeah, I, I honestly think so. And I circled this matchup between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets later on in the season. And I might be erasing that circle. I might be erasing that circle because I thought that this was going to, first off, that was probably the, my favorite young quarterback matchup last year. And the reason why is because Trevor Lawrence didn't look that great, but Zach Wilson did. Um, this team might be completely different by then. And who knows? Honestly, in the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars might still be in playoff contention by the yeah. time that that matchup rolls around. But I, I am in a complete 100% agreement with you that the Jacksonville Jaguars, I do believe, are what we thought they are. And this is a team that might be one year away from being legitimate playoff contenders. So I could definitely see seven and 10, eight and nine in their future this year. Um, and speaking of a, a great team, I, I mean, like an absolute great team that has just had bad luck throughout the season. We have to talk about the Chicago Bears and we have to talk about future MVP, Justin Fields and how he's absolutely terrible. And I, I you know what, Dan, I don't show hate for players. I, and I don't hate anyone. Let's say that I, showing hate and hating someone is two different things. Justin Fields deserves all the hate in the world. And the reason why is he's already turning his back on the Chicago Bears. He is a, a spoiled little brat that didn't get his way because he didn't want to play in Chicago. He wanted to play in a warm weather state and he hates the Chicago Bears fans, and he doesn't like Matt Eberflus, and he doesn't like Brian Pace and whatever, whoever else, and he doesn't like Soldier Field, and he doesn't like all this. And and you know what? He This is another Josh Rosen to me. That's exactly what it is. I'm going to make the other teams regret not picking me. Really? Because where are you right now, Josh? You're picking your nose on the sideline. That's what you're doing right now. And that's exactly what Justin Fields is going to be doing in, in a, quite a short period of time because my god he is not helping himself with his play that's for sure yeah the um (laughs) i like how i'm just going off and you're just like yeah uh okay (laughs) yeah how do you how do you match that no but the 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 bears the bears would have been the most undeserving three and one team in the league i'm i'm so glad the giants i'm not saying the giants deserve it either but i'm so (laughs) glad the giants didn't let them off the hook uh, because th- th- this offense is is probably are, are we going to say the worst in the league? I mean, it's oh it's yeah, the passing game oh, yeah. is, is abysmal. Uh, Justin Fields is not the guy. Um, and, you know, I don't I don't know much about what he said or what he feels about Chicago. Uh, I will say Bears fans are are terrible. Uh, not every Bears fan. If you're listening to this, I, it's probably not you. But Dan, many we don't have Bears, to be nice. Many Dan, Bears we don't fans, have to be nice. If it's you, it's you. Yeah, well, if, if it is you, it's you. But I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume that if you're listening to this and you're a Bears fan, that you are not that bad. Uh, but some of them are. I am. Some, <laughs> some of them are, um, and they think two and one is like the is you know the the grand uh, is the Lombardi Trophy essentially. <sighs> like they need a parade for two and one. Like that means that they're gonna have this come out and have this great season. No, you barely beat the Texans, and you beat the 49ers in a monsoon. That was it. They didn't play well against the Packers. Justin Fields throws 15 passes a game. He usually has half of them intercepted. Uh, this is this is a team that's headed nowhere, uh, both long-term and right now. 
I don't think Justin Fields is the guy. And, and we've talked about how we don't feel that they've put the best group around him. No, now, now. Really well, they so. haven't. They haven't. But They like, haven't. And, You're right. And they, sh- they should have because that's what you do when you have a young quarterback. But what, what he's proving every day is that that's not the reason why he's struggling. Yeah, it's. Yeah, that report came. I actually read that a couple of days ago that um, that the issues were more deeper than we thought. Where last week, where he came out and he said, "Oh, the fans could say this, but like, you know, the fans aren't playing the game and all that stuff that you really shouldn't want to hear from, you know, a quarterback from your city." And um, yeah, then it came out that he never had any intentions of playing in Chicago. He wanted to play in um, in a city with warmer weather. Uh, right then and there, when you hear something like that, that's never a good sign, right Right then and there. But I just feel like he's had a really bad attitude about it so far. I think the marriage is destined for a divorce and destined for a divorce as soon as the season is over. I honestly think, and maybe this might be uh, reflected in my latest mock draft that is coming out uh, you know, in on Wednesday, just dropping that in there. Yeah, you're going to plug yourself there. Uh, of course I am. I, I mean, it's a business after all. Damn it, man. Um, but you know what? If they have a top three pick, which doesn't seem as likely right now because they're still two and two and there's like 15 two and two teams in the NFL, but they could be using that pick on a quarterback, especially with the class that's coming up. I would feel sorry for that quarterback because this team is horrible on on the offensive side. Defensively they they've played pretty well so far. I do have to give them that. If if I'm going to give them positive, defensively they have played well above what I thought they were going to be, especially Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson has had a really nice bounce back season so far after not looking great the last couple of years. Um after being considered one of the better safeties in the NFL. The young guys are playing good. Jalen Johnson's playing well. Uh, Kyler Gordon looks re- like a good pick as well. So they got some good good players on defense, even the offensive line, Tevin Jenkins turned around from being a major bust in the second round to being one of the better graded guards in the NFL throughout four weeks. So they have some positives. I honestly think it starts and ends with Justin Fields. Yeah. I think the defense is, is impressive. I think Matt Eberflus hasn't done a terrible job. I think, uh, you know, Luke Getze is the offensive coordinator. That's more questionable, even with fields, and his struggles. Uh, he doesn't seem like he's calling a great offense, uh, but the defense has done well. And I, I guess it's something to build off of, but you know, what I would say is not a lot of these guys are that young. Uh, you know, Eddie Jackson's a veteran. Robert Quinn is, is in his almost in his mid thirties. And yeah, Smith is, is a, a long-term piece, but he's also in his fifth season. Um, so, you know, it's not like they've got this ferocious young defense. I think there's, of course, there's some young guys, Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, um, but you know, it seems like they, they've got a lot of work to do to build up this roster. And of course it starts with the quarterback, uh, but I think it goes all the way through. Uh, I picked the giant, uh, I picked the giants in this game. That's Same the, here. The first time I picked the giants this year, a lot of giants fans were happy with me about that. Bears fans thought I was going to be wrong about it. They told me that I was not. This is the third time I picked the giants this year. Wait, have I picked the giants then? No, I haven't. Cause I, they played the no, I didn't pick them against the Titans, against the Panthers, or against the Cowboys. So yeah, first oh, time, and I got it right. Woo! Yeah, <laughs> woo! Um, yeah, I I feel bad shitting on the the Bears and not mentioning the Giants. Um, I think okay, this is what I'm going to say: that the Bears and the Giants are in very similar situations 
where their offenses are fucking putrid. But there's one thing that the Giants have over the Bears, and that's Saquon Barkley being back. And I think I could confidently say that now, especially after the performance that he put on today, that Saquon Barkley has looked the healthiest that he's looked in a few years, the most confident he's looked in a few years. And it, it's nice. It's You can be a mediocre offense when you have someone as talented as Saquon can be playing up to his potential. And that's what we're seeing so far because Saquon has been fantastic so far this year. And Daniel Jones threw for like 68 yards today. I, I mean, granted, he was hurt, but Tyrod Taylor threw for like 14 yards and they got the job done. They won. And defensively, they've been playing a lot better uh, as well. This That's another thing, too, where I, I wasn't really hopeful for this Giants defense coming into this year, but they've given up not as not as many points as you'd think. Well, I'm thinking so they gave up 12 today. They gave up how many? Like 23 or something, right? Uh, on Monday Night Football? Uh, 23, yeah. That, what did they give up week one? 20? 20 points. And, and then, then week two was 16. Yeah, so they're yeah. playing pretty well. Against some pretty decent offenses, too. After losing Patrick Graham, who was a very good defensive coordinator. Yeah. But they, they brought over Don Martindale from the Ravens, who was also also did a lot of great work there. Good old wig. <laughs> so, yeah. But... um. There's progress here. I don't think the offense is good enough to make a playoff run. No, they suck. But, but I mean, come on. Three. How many games did they win last year? Four? They've got three so far? Yeah, that's, that's definitely yep. on track for an improvement because they could go out and lose the next 13 games. Yeah, well, the bad and, news is they go into London now to face the Packers, and Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor are both injured. I'm rolling with the Giants. <laughs> that's Daniel it. I'm Jones has his ankles pretty messed up, and Tyrod Taylor's got a concussion. So we'll see. We'll They're going to find Mike Glennon. <laughs> Mike Clinton. Yeah. But, um, Joe Judge. Oh, God. But uh, getting back to it, all jokes aside, hats off to the Giants and and uh, Brian Dable and his staff so far. Three and one, great start for them. I know it's not pretty, but like we said before with the Vikings, three and one is three and one, and you'll figure it out as you go along. Um, the next game is, I'm not going to lie to you, Dan. I'm, I'm going to look you dead in the eyes right now. This game, I didn't watch a single snap of this yeah, game I, I because it did not, it, it did not than, interest me in the slightest. Other than the Panthers offense is still not good at all. Yeah. The Pan, the Panthers other offense is still not good. The Arizona Cardinals still aren't that great because it took until the fourth quarter for them to actually kind of look like they were going to win this football game. Um, one thing I will say for the Arizona Cardinals, Marquise Brown, he make no mistake. He was a good receiver in Baltimore, but they would be like, he'd have like one game of 150 yards and two touchdowns. He'd disappear for like five weeks and then he'll come back. Yeah. He's being really, he's been very consistent so far this year and he's played very, very well. I mean, last week he had 14 catches this week. I don't know how many he had, but I did see his name in the stat book quite a bunch, six or seven, something like that. He's been playing very, very well. And, and he had, he has been, really carrying that passing game in DeAndre Hopkins absence. So uh, hats off to him for that. Kyler played well in the second half. He didn't, did not play well in the first half at all. Um, but that's pretty much what I'm going to say. I mean, also one thing I'm going to say for the Panthers, handing the ball off to Christian McCaffrey nine times against an Arizona Cardinals defense is egregious. And it should be, it, it should be punishable by firing the offensive coordinator. Well, I think, um, I, I think the storyline of this game is very simple for me. Matt Rule 
Oh, was, no, no. Matt Rule basically was told to to hire an offensive coordinator to save his job. You know, hire make the right hire. He hired Ben McAdoo, former Giants coach, uh, one of the most embarrassing head coaching tenures in NFL history. <laughs> um, predictably, it's not working. And I don't think Baker Mayfield's a great quarterback, but he can be better than this. It's not. It's just not working. Um, so, you know, I, I tweeted this almost exactly. You can see my tweet. I said, I know where this ends. It's going to end up with Matt Rule being fired. And whether that's at the end of the season or if it's midseason, it doesn't matter. It's going to happen. He's, he's coached his way out of a job. Um, that's that's really it. I, I got nothing to say about the Cardinals other than uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of DeAndre Hopkins we get when he comes back. He's yes. two weeks away. Uh, well, three weeks. He's two more games he's got to miss before he comes back. Um, and, you know, a well-rested DeAndre Hopkins after the injury last year. Uh, he'd look great in 2020. I wonder, you know, could he be a big spark uh, for this offense and and kind of turn Kyler Murray back into a little bit like what we saw in 2020? Uh, I don't have the answer answer to that, but I think it is going to be one of the interesting storylines of the middle of the season. Yeah. And then moving on to probably the most surprising game, I would say, of the week. And the reason why I would say that is because the Green Bay Packers eked out a three-point overtime win over Bailey Zappi and uh, the <laughs> and the New England Patriots uh, with Jacoby Myers being out and with Mac Jones being out. I didn't really think this was going to be much of a game to begin with uh, because I, I think that the Packers, regardless of little how little weapons they have, are still much, much better than the New England Patriots. But, you know, you can never count a Bill Belichick team out. And uh, the defense played well. Uh, Jack Jones with a pick six. That was a very, su- very surprising pick six. I didn't even see him. He just appeared on my TV screen with the ball. I was like, where did he come from? It's a very rare one too for Rogers. Yeah. I yeah. I, like, I forgot that stat. Well, it's it was like two, two pick sixes at home in his career. Yeah. So, so that's, that's definitely a rarity there, but, uh, I think new England played well. I think this game really just comes down to the fact that, Aaron Rodgers is still kind of feeling out all these wep- or uh, weapons. I use that term extremely lightly. Uh, all these weapons that he has. He looks like he has a real rapport with Romeo Dobbs now. Looks like. I know Dobbs did have a fumble. But to be honest with you, I don't know how much that was really a fumble anyway. It was a, it was a really low pass. He caught it, made like one step, and then just got popped. I mean, it, it was like a weird fumble. But uh, I've we've said it twice already. I'm going to say it again. The Packers are a team that can afford to win football games and figure it out as they go along because they have one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history and Aaron Rodgers. Um, and that's exactly what they're doing. They are three and one and they figured out a way to win this game. So I feel like as long as they rely on Aaron Rodgers to figure out how to win games, I think they'll be in good shape. Yeah, it looked like uh, it looks like he's even with the issues that they had, you know, I know you had the, the Dob- Romeo Dobbs fumble. He had a, a drop pass in the end zone that he had for a little bit and then fell out when he hit the ground. Even with those issues, it looks like he's starting to develop uh, a stronger connection with him and with Christian Watson. Um, I, I, I'm a little worried, though. I mean, because now you've got you've got this full arsenal, basically, except for Sammy Watkins. Alan Lazard looked good today. You've got, you've got the full arsenal healthy almost, um, and the offense still doesn't look good. I mean, 27 points is not indicative of how they played. They no. got they had nothing happening in the first half offensively, even though the Patriots kept giving them the ball back. They had nothing going. Um, then eventually you had the pick six. I'm a little bit concerned now because this is a game where you had 
numerous opportunities to find a rhythm. And even toward the end, even when they had a couple touchdown drives, they didn't look like they had a serious rhythm. So, uh, you know, they, it, it's good news for them that they get the Giants next week. They may face Bailey Zappi and a third stringer for the Giants uh, in back-to-back weeks. So, you know, that, that's always a nice uh, nice way to, to – There's a nice confidence booster right there, yeah. Yeah, but um, – now the the Patriots, I, I do like how the Patriots played today. I, me and you were both not very high on this Patriots team, but uh, they did what they had to. They they kind of went back to their their mentality last year of running the ball, you know, basing these drives off of the run game. Bailey Zappi played well when he needed to. Well, we didn't see much of Brian Hoyer, but I would have to imagine Bailey Zappi is probably just as good as Brian Hoyer at the stage. Yeah, I would think career. so. Um, I'd probably rather just roll with him going forward if Mac Jones is going to miss another week. Um, I think next week is going to be uh, a huge matchup between the Patriots and Lions, whether Mac Jones plays or not. The, one, two, one of these teams is going to be one and four. That's going to be really hard to come out. I really hope that it's the New England Patriots. I think it could be. I mean, you know, I know I keep saying it, but it feels like the Lions are close. And the Patriots are just the perfect team to not be able to take advantage of the Lions' defensive issues. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, so. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I this is it's going to be a. I'm also interested to see like the Dan Campbell Bill Belichick matchup. They're they're such unique coaches that it's like you know how do these two face each other? Um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go on a a, a month long binge of the Dan Campbell uh, coffee thing. Have you ever heard the whole, <laughs> the whole like Trent? He drinks like two Trenty like black espresso coffees before practice, like every single day. His heart rate's at like 380 before he even gets to practice. Like that's what I want to do. I want to see. I'm going to recommend against that. And he's just going to start eating kneecaps and I, I whatever. But I do love Dan Campbell, and I think that is a really interesting matchup. And that that's a team. The Patriots are a team where after the Lions gave up 48 points to the. Seahawks, we could see the the Patriots scoring like sixteen points or something yeah. like that, oh, at least yeah. some, some terrible yeah, number. But moving on, uh, the only reason why I want to talk about this game, I don't want to talk about this game at all. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because, yes, I did lose a lock of the week. I, I know, I know, it's crazy oh. to think, you know, it's crazy. Um, I did have the Denver Broncos. Uh, covering against the Las Vegas Raiders. And for a time, it did seem like that was going to happen. It was 25-23, and I was going to say, son of a gun, I'm going to get away with this with a half a point. And I was really, really happy. But then uh, Josh Jacobs took over completely, 175 total yards, two touchdowns. He looked great, and it's honestly crazy to me that we were speculating at some point in the the preseason that he was losing his job to Zamir White. And uh, obviously that's not the case, but this game – I know that the Raiders only gave up 23 points. This game was not pretty by any means on the offensive side for them. I know Derek Carr had like 97 passing yards through like three quarters. Uh, It was not pretty, but they got the job done. And listen, when you're 0-3 and you're supposed to be a playoff team, you'll take a win to get off the schneid any way that you can take it. And that's exactly how the Vegas Raiders took it today. The ground game looked fantastic, which is something that I haven't said so far this year. Derek Carr didn't turn the ball over, which is something good as well. Russell Wilson looked good on on the on the Denver side. I don't think that it was a him problem today. I think it was more of Denver couldn't stop a nosebleed on the ground. So that that's pretty much what it was. He he didn't turn the ball over either. He looked pretty good. Had a rushing touchdown. We saw a little bit of the uh, cooking Russell Wilson, not the cooked Russell Wilson uh, this week. So that's also a positive. This is a, I I mean. It's a tough game for the Denver Broncos to lose, especially since 
I think like I think 23 points is the most points they've scored so far this year. Uh <laughs> yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. I mean the offense looks a lot better. You know, the, the passing game is starting to look like it's it's finding its footing. Yeah. Um I'm a I'm a little worried because of the 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 uh, previously mentioned Javante Williams injury, which seems to be a long term injury, knee injury. Uh that's a problem. And I know they have Melvin Gordon, but he fumbled twice today. He sucks. Costly too. Uh, the, you know that that's the situation that I'm I'm worried about. I think, I think no matter what, if they had gotten the passing game going or not, the the offense probably needed to run through Javante Williams. And if he's out for the year, um, I I don't think Melvin Gordon can can handle that kind of workload. I mean, he can handle it, but I don't think he played well enough that the offense yeah Mike Boone well. can't handle it either. But uh, I'm mean, good for Josh McDaniels. I mean, you know, we we talk about some of these oh, games. <laughs> oh, oh, listen, they. They were they were close those last two games. That's why I picked the Raiders to win this one. And this, by the way, this is actually uh, in the in the fan polls that I did. It was the closest game. Fifty two percent of people picked the Broncos. Hmm. So it was a really evenly matched one in the fans' eyes coming in. I it was a pretty close game most of the way, even though it ended up being a nine point game. Uh, but yeah, you know, it feels like the Raiders deserve to win. I mean, they they've been they've been so close. They've been making some some bad late game decisions, and today they made better ones. Yeah, so why would they why would they deserve to win then? Because they because they play for <laughs> over three quarters pretty well. They just gotta know, they just gotta get was, over the finish line, and today they got over the finish line. I was really waiting for that collapse. I'm not I'm gonna lie. They did. <laughs> uh, but yes, the lock of the week fell through for you for the yeah, first time. It, I, it's no, no shame in that. It's happened to me. Yeah, but, I know it's happened to you twice actually, but but it's okay. it will not be happening tonight. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. As of this moment, it's 41-31 Chiefs uh, with about under four minutes left to go. Uh, unless there's a massive collapse, the Chiefs are going to cover plus one. So, yeah, look at that, two weeks in a row. Yeah, you're still one game behind me, so. Yeah, right? but I can, I can make that up. I can make that up. I, I don't know. I think I, it's might be like a half game up. behind you. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because I have one less game than you, so I'm technically yeah. you're only a half game behind me. But listen, buddy. I'll give you that. It was a solid pick because it was even for most of the week on the line. I don't know where you got this plus one from, they were, but I'm going to find out. Plus one almost everywhere. I'm going to find out. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I know what I'm saying. I don't know when it came about because every time I checked, it still said even because that was a game that I was looking at. Yeah. And I'm glad I didn't take it because I was going to take the Bucks actually. Um, so I'm glad I didn't take it actually. And, uh, yeah, so uh, hats off to you. I, I will say it. I mean, I have been clowning you the past couple of weeks that you've had some terrible choices. So I will give you the, <laughs> I will give you and, this consolation prize yeah, for picking well, the Kansas, to picking the one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL. Congratulations to well, you. That's Daniel. why it's the lock of the week. <laughs> hey, the, this Bucks defense held Aaron Rodgers to sixteen last week. Chiefs went into Tampa and scored forty one and maybe more. Got a few minutes left. I don't know if they're looking to score again. But that they went into into Tampa and scored forty on this defense that's been so good this year, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna definitely take it. And it's always good to see uh, a Tom Brady loss. So you know, double win there. Yeah, you're. We're not on the same wave, the same wavelength when it comes to that. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, like I said, I'll give it to you. Yeah, you made a good call there because I know that you had a couple other games that you were thinking about that uh, you weren't sure, and I'm pretty yeah. sure that it wouldn't have worked out for you. Probably, but you know, that's why we, uh, why we make careful decisions around here. Well, I don't make careful decisions. So that, I've I been know, what I, what I mentioned to you was that I, I thought about the lions 
minus three and a half, but then all those injuries started coming in. I was going to pick the Jets again. I really was. I was going to pick the Jets again. You would have gotten it, and that would have been impressive, even though we both picked I can't. Yeah, but you know what? I I can't keep – because then it looks stupid if I just keep picking the Jets every week. But I really was going to because I really did – I mean, I said it from last week. I mean, granted, I do say it every week that I think the Jets are going to win, but I really did that. We both thought that the Jets were going to pull this one out, so – uh, I didn't just want to do that, though. I picked them two weeks ago. I didn't want to pick them again. So I wanted to pick a different team. Um, so I will never do that again. I'm just going to pick the Jets every single week from here on out. And uh, and then I'm probably going to wind up being like 3-14 and 14 at the end of the year. But it's all right. But, yeah, that was, uh, that was a good one. That was... I, I, it was my favorite recap so far because I think we came with the energy. I think we... We we really made light of the situation. We made fun of Justin Fields, which is always a fun thing of mine. It's your favorite pastime. It's, it's my hate has gone from Jimmy Garoppolo to I don't even care about Jimmy G anymore. I mean, he's too handsome about, to even clown anymore. What about Kyler Murray? Nothing, nothing, nothing on him anymore. No, Justin Fields trumps everything because yeah. he is just an ass. And then on top of that, he's not good. So it makes it that much sweeter when a team like the Giants who had no business beating anyone today with 42 passing yards uh, <laughs> came out and gave the Bears a taste of their own medicine what they give to other teams. But yeah, it's a, it's a good weekend. This is a, a great way to start my uh, my week. I hope it's the same thing for you as well. Yeah, and I hope it's the same for everybody listening. That's, that's the goal, give you guys a good recap of the week in football. Um, obviously we're recording on Sunday night and hopefully you're listening to this on Monday. So that Monday night game between the 49ers and Rams hasn't happened yet. Uh, but other than that, we, we got through this whole busy NFL week, uh, that included some controversy with the two situation. Uh, but like we talked about earlier, it's a very busy time in sports. I know last week we covered a few different topics that weren't football related. Uh, we talked about some MLB playoff action that's coming up today. But yeah, in the next month, I think we're definitely going to start diving into uh, some other topics uh, along with these recaps because it is uh, a busy time of year. I don't think, like I said earlier, I don't think uh, there's any other month where every all the paths cross like October. It seems like every sport uh, crosses over in October. So it's going to be exciting. a busy month, but it's only, uh, I guess, when this comes out, October 3rd. So we got a lot of the month left. A lot of the season left, and we're looking forward to next week's episode. Thank you guys for listening.